Welcome to another exciting episode of Triggered Wrestling. We're here to talk about the intense Twitter beef between USA Network and Tony Khan. We're going to be talking about all the week's happenings in wrestling. Raw, SmackDown, AEW, Dynamite. We're even going to be talking about Rampage today. So stay tuned on this episode of Triggered Wrestling. Triggered Wrestling is so awesome. All the way around. That gets me triggered. Ooh, okay. Well, let's go with the bad trigger right now. See, I'm a, I'm a fan of all of it. We'll force you to watch Trigger Wrestling. Boy, oh boy, do we have some juicy ass tea for everybody today. Um, remember over the weekend, I texted you and I was like, damn, man, there's no wrestling news out there. It's kind of dead for wrestling news. And then my boy Tony Khan gave us the news of a lifetime. He started a Twitter war with none other than the modern day Maharaja, Jinder Mahal. Bro, that shit was intense, wasn't it? Well, I don't know. What would you say he started the war against Jinder Mahal or he just was just clapping about everybody to everybody? I mean, technically, it all started with the NFL. I guess Jacksonville Jaguars started uh, promoting their uh, playoff tickets before they even made it to the playoffs. Um, WWE Network replied with that uh, Kurt Angle meme. The one that he's just looking at the, at the distance. And then he got roasted again. I forgot. You mentioned it earlier. Um, with USA Network. Remember? Talking about cage match ratings. Yeah. I forgot what they res- responded to. But they said, "What? what's the match rating? Because it was uh, Monday Night Raw like promoting some match. That's yeah. all they said. And then all of a sudden, Tony Khan gets triggered. And is just like, Hook's 28-1. Jinder Mahal hasn't even had a match all year that he's won. And you guys want to talk about dual... What is it? Dual... Uh, two sides of the sword or whatever the fuck you want to you know what I mean yeah he basically pulled your good old boy Adrian's move and was like hey how come the E-drones aren't barking when Paula Vec books random ass title matches on free TV, but you guys come at me when I do it? Pretty much it, it's a double standard. Yeah, double standard. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. I was <laughs> I went blank completely. I'm sorry. Yeah, he pulled a good old Adrian move. Um, I know I'm known to do that here on this pod and on social media. To be honest, I was gonna ask you that question here on the pod. Like, how come WWE fans are basically talking shit when it comes to AEW, but when it comes to WWE, they're quiet. And Tony Khan is just a uh, would you would you say he's just a walking punching bag at this point? That man's a walking punching bag for sure. So <clears throat> let me kind of go into my because I'm a I'm a diehard WWE guy in this. I have a, a dog in the fight, as you would say. To me, for the most part, if it's storyline driven, I have no problem with Jinder Mahal getting a title shot. He's a former world champion. It made sense after the Rock thing. He he's a great heel. He's he does great work on the mic. He's a decent worker, whatever you want to call it. He's not going to be giving you five star matches, but for the sake of it, you don't need five star matches every match, right? Facts. Which someone in AEW currently said, right? We'll get into that later. Yes. So I'm okay with there being like random title shots. The, the only reason I call AEW out on this starts because Tony Khan wanted to be a sports-based wrestling company, keeping track of wins and losses. But then even though he's still keeping track of wins and losses, people that haven't been on the show for years or months are also still getting title shots just because they show up, they win a four-way women's match, Abaddon, and then gets a title shot. Essentially the same thing, except they had to win a match. But, you know, it's to me, it's like, it's the same thing. Like, Hook is the champion he's 28 and 1 but against who like he beat jungle boy and that's the only person i could really name that he's ever beat he beat willard yuda at who <laughs> willard yuda at world's end to be fair to hook is mainly on the pre-shows at every pay-per-view so i can under- 
understand why some people don't really know much of his uh, wrestling career at this point. But yeah, continue. Yeah, so that's why I call out Tony Khan because he went back on his whole rankings. Like, they don't even have the rankings anymore. They used to show them like once a week. They don't matter. And then everybody, whenever someone gets announced as getting a title shot, it's a open challenge to anybody. But I mean, it's 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 just a, a way to kind of... he's. I don't have an issue with it, but I mean, if, if you're going to be saying that you're sports-based entertainment, then be that. Don't just be picking and choosing, you know? Like, that's the hill you want to die on. You want it to be different than WWE, but you're still doing the same thing but just because you have a win-loss record that really doesn't mean much anyways like what did wheeler yuda do to get a chance at the ftw title nothing nothing speaking of that individual that you were talking about that i posted a video earlier today on all of our social media platforms at trig wrestling on twitter x is t-r-i-g-g underscore wrestling and on tiktok as well it was actually adam copeland he was on a busted open radio when he said that at this point in his career he doesn't even know what a five-star match is he really does not know and to him as a great storyteller as someone who's been in the business for very long and has accomplished a lot he says that to him he'll put a great story over a five-star match man at this point at this point of his career and age um i kind of agree at this point you know i don't see edge having a five-star match on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis i I agree storyline when it comes to um other wrestlers like himself, people who were in the business back then as well. Talk about storylines. And some could argue that storylines are no longer the same when back in the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era. But yeah, it, to me, I think it's a combination of both. You can have a great storyline and have a sorry-ass match. We've seen it with the Dark Order from Wish and the top baby faces in WWE. Uh, Dark Order from Wish being Jobman Day. AKA Judgment Day. I mean, they had a six month long feud with the top baby faces for a final payoff match at War Games. That match flopped. Uh, same with the females match as well. Um, Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus had a horrible storyline, but the match delivered. In a way, in my opinion, you don't need to have a five star match on a weekly basis, but it's a combination of both. Um, if you want a story to continue, at least have a decent match. Maybe have some clean wins, not a inner interaction here and there, or an interference from your uh, faction member, or double count out, or or some shenanigans that you see on other shows. What about you? What would you, do you think a storyline is more important than wrestling, or vice versa, or they need each other? They do need each other to an extent because you can still have a really good storyline and the match just suck, and then people are still happy. Like when we talk about matches sucking, like people like to complain about Roman Reigns matches. Oh, they're slow. He does his punches, kicks, points at the crowd, uh, does his hoo does a spear. You know, people like to complain about that. But then over here, they're giving uh, Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley almost five stars. <laughs> For doing the exact same thing, just because instead of being one punch from Roman Reigns and the guy goes down and he's and he rolls out of the ring, these guys are slapping each other in the chest for three minutes. I mean, it's the same thing. That's not wrestling either. You can't even call that strong style at that point. I'd rather much watch a Roman Reigns match than than watch that. But that's a four and a that's a four and four three quarters star match according to uh, Dave Meltzer and and Cage Side <laughs> Seats. You know. Yeah. Like, that's just ridiculous to me. So what exactly is a five-star match is different for person in person, but it seems that the people that are living and dying by these star ratings, they can't get it right either. Yeah, no. Um, In my opinion, I think fans should create their own 
fucking ratings. Not not just to throw them out there, just to hand them out like Dave Meltzer does. But for me, if you were to tell me, hey, what's your best match? What's a match that you would recommend? I would go on my uh, my brain and be like, oh, one of my one of the five star matches that I can remember at the top of my head, WrestleMania 17, The Rock and Austin. I don't think it got a five star rating from Meltzer, but in my eyes, in my opinion, that's a five fucking star match, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, first match that comes to my mind would be the Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels WrestleMania Oof. 10 ladder match. Oof. Even WrestleMania 10 Owen Hart versus Bret Hart. Oof. That was a great match. And both of those matches, I mean, were they good? Yes. Were they good by today's standards? Like, would those matches nowadays be five-star bangers? No, they would not. If you go back and watch them, they're very slow-paced. There's no Canadian Destroyers. It's Matt Wrestling. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. different. So I like those matches. They had great storylines behind them. Long-term booking, just like Seth Rollins versus Jinder Mahal, bro. Yep. 12 years in the making, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. I uh, mean, we should yeah. maybe come up with our own ratings, bro. Like, you know, what, what match would you recommend? Was it, was it a good storyline? Did it keep you tuning in? Did the final match payoff you should consider about doing our match rating bruff let's do that dude so speaking of match storyline ratings so monday night raw well, the main event was cody rhodes versus shinsuke nakamura the street fight that storyline was brewing over months when shinsuke's over here talking to nobody and everybody's like who's going on they had a good interesting video packages with like the the drawings and everything good storyline good match i i love that storyline yeah, it was it was good. It was good when they interacted. Um, last week though, the week before, um, it was the typical babyface heel. Where the babyface comes out and demands the heel to come out to the ring. Shinsuke Nakamura does his promo on the Titan Tron, and then Cody Rhodes like, "All right, you want me? Come here, come here, step up to me." And then obviously the heel's like, "Yeah, but not tonight." And then the segment goes away, and I'm like, Man, "See, like to me those." segments like that that both wrestlers aren't even on the ring they're pointless it's like bro nothing was gonna happen i wasted my time watching cody rhodes come out for five ten minutes like undertaker what was that energy with the devil gimmick bro devil gimmick that shit was fucked bro i my (laughs) mind was freaked bro i did not know who was under the devil's mask bro my god oh but you weren't (laughs) but you weren't you weren't complaining though no but i did want to bring up a good topic right here about one of our one of my favorite wrestlers uh matt hardy and jeff hardy um they recently come under fire over their performance on last week's rampage um i know matt hardy has been expressing his frustration on twitter there was a botch that happened between matt and jeff in the Butcher and Blade versus Kip Sabin match. I don't think they have it anymore. And as a fan, I hate to call for their retirement. But, I mean, what can you do with them, you know? They can only do so much now. I know what you're saying. Uh, you're talking about that that little spot they do when uh, Matt Hardy gets on his hands and knees. On all fours? <laughs> On all, yeah, it's on all fours, and uh, and Jeff Hardy jumps and does the thing. Yep, it's clear that Jeff Hardy either just physically can't anymore, or his timing's off, bad ankles, little bit of mixture of everything. This is not the first time that they've messed up this move. It could be time to retire the move because. They just, their bodies just physically just can't do it. They don't got it anymore. I know they got this this segment with Private Party coming up. Private Party needs to win. And uh, that's just going to infuriate the Hardys. Because the Hardys win like, okay, so Private Party just came back to lose. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. It's storyline, it's it doesn't make sense. And I'm happy it's on Rampage. And I'm, I would hate to see the Hardys on <laughs> AEW Dynamite just thinking it up currently. Like I said, they're one of my favorite tag teams of all time. We talked about this on our, on our previous episode named Our Heroes Are Getting Old. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to ask for their retirement. But it's like, you guys can only do so much. You guys need to change your wrestling style. Do something. Come up with a great storyline. Not that Mar Hardy office. Um, Pull a Samoa Joe, bro, and, and just lay low for like two years in WWE and then come back and be aw world champion facts hold on speaking of people that that you know i thought jay lethal was a lot older than he is he's only 39 years old and uh jeff jarrett looks in great shape they're breaking up finally yeah i mean i i don't really watch rampage but this one kind of i watched the clip on youtube adrian you want to get into this one yeah i mean pretty much um jeff jarrett's blaming jay lethal for being a basically a jobber being a nobody costing jay lethal a title shot and apparently they still have no name. So even if they split up, I mean, it's not like they're <laughs> splitting something, a good ass resume from a faction, you know? Yeah, it was one of those factions that didn't have a name. It just kind of seemed rushed, put together because Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, when you think of TNA, that's who you think of. I mean, they're both jobbers <laughs> at this point. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. a jobber versus a jobber. Jeff Jarrett won Jay Lethal his title shot that he got at uh, Eddie Kingston at uh, what was a pay-per-view? It wasn't World's End. It was the one, whichever one was before that one. He got him the Wrestle title Dream? shot, right? Russell Dream and Jay Lethal lost. And since then, I haven't really seen them. They might have been on Rampage, but I don't really watch Rampage. But hopefully they move this on to AEW Dynamite because they have some things on there that I'm just like, why is this on my TV? It's an eight-man tag, and it doesn't make sense. But we'll get there later. Talking about the the A show on Friday night. Friday night SmackDown had an amazing uh, tournament finale between Santos Escobar and Kevin Owens. It was a great match. I mean, to me, I thought it was a little predictable. There was nothing but heels in that tournament besides... Kevin Owens and Dragon Lee. Obviously, Dragon Lee was not going to win it, so the only reasonable choice was going to be Kevin Owens. The way he won it, I, I mean, I did not see the loser world order coming in and interfering in the match, or at least attacking Santos' lackeys, uh, Umberto Carrillo and the other guy, I forget his name. Angel Garza, bro. How are you going to forget Angel the Garza? legendary yeah, Garza's? I've said this before. I said this in when it happened in WCW. I said this when it happened in WWF, WWE, AEW, and now again in WWE. I hate brown on brown crime, bro. And like the great Eddie Guerrero said in WCW, there's no room for growth. They're always having us fight against each other. We are not going to grow if we keep doing this. We need to unite and we need to fight against everybody. I'm not liking this feud already before it even started. And not to mention Santos Escobar acting was just horrible. If you go back, look at the clip. You can see him looking at his team get beat up and he's like, no, no, come back. What are you doing? Come. I'm like, what the fuck kind of telenovela bad acting is this, bruv? I'm just glad Kevin Owens got the W and we're going to see him and Logan Paul at what? Royal Rumble? Yeah, Kevin Owens versus Logan Paul at Royal Rumble, which should be a, a banger of a match because... Uh, should. Even though Logan Paul's not on WWE TV, he's been... That U.S. title's been everywhere. It's been around, uh, what's his name? He, didn't he give it to Patrick Mahomes? He traded it for something? Yep, yep. Um, I also saw him get put through a table. He was wearing a Chivas jersey, and he gets put through a table because, uh, you know, there's some jobbers out there. And- Bills Mafia style? Yep. <laughs> the Bills Mafia. No, but I don't know. Uh, we'll see what goes on with that match. I know Selena said that she... Well, you know what? Maybe Selena Vega's secret, because she's good friends with The Rock's daughter, was that The Rock was going to come on Monday. Mm. But that, 
But then the other thing about it is Andrade was just dropped from GCW. So maybe he makes his debut on Friday because it's going to be Santos Escobar and his two lackeys versus the LWO's two lackeys and either Carlito or Andrade because, I mean, it, it couldn't be Carlito. Yes, but I don't know. I don't think it's Carlito. I think it's got to be Andrade because Rey Mysterio's injured. Yeah, and Carlito's where in developmental, right? Yeah, they did that developmental NXT spot. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, this other thing about when we think about developmental, right? So EO Sky was, was a great champion there. We had Mitchin who really was in developmental. And then just thinking about this whole Tony Khan gimmick thing of why these people getting title shots. So Mitchin gets a title shot out of nowhere. Do you have any trigger energy about that, Adrian? It was a good match. Yeah, it was a good match. I saw um, I saw Mitchin, bro, deliver a Styles Clash, a super Styles Clash from the second rope. I thought EO Sky was donezo. But no, just like you hated in AEW, it happened here in WWE. Uh, they kick out of everything here as well. And, well, technically. She didn't kick out. She grabbed she the got rope. Luck. She, she grabbed the rope. She That's not a kick rope. out. <laughs> she she has ring awareness, my guy. Oh, so she was conscious enough and had the energy enough to lift her hand up and grab and hold on to the rope. But that's... It's muscle memory. Yeah, muscle memory, that, bro. It's true. But see, <laughs> when it comes to the titles, you have to put it out on the line. You have to get a second win, a second, third, and possibly fourth win. You can't just fucking drop your title like that. I mean, we basically complained about uh, Eddie Kingston and Moxley's finish last week. It was garbage. This one with EO Sky and uh, Mitch and I, like I said, the style clash was, I thought it was going to be donezo for EO, but shit, she prevailed and she retained. It was a good match, man. I, uh... And I know you said that you forget that EO Sky is champ, but yeah. when she actually defends it and has singles matches, they're usually good matches. Uh, I was presently surprised by Mission because I've never really seen her in these types of matches. So seeing Mia Yim get a title shot, have a singles match, I was presently surprised about this. Yep, yep, yep. And I know we were talking about um, Andrade El Idolo possibly making a comeback, but you know, AOP, Authors of Pain, finally arrived to Friday Night Smackdown and they joined forces with Kyrian Jobbercross. It's Scarlett Bordeaux. Uh, at first, looking at... Put some respect on my boy's name, bro, because this stable looks fire. It looks fire. At first glance, it looks fire when they came out. I'm not gonna lie. But they attacked the Street Profits, a faction that has a former world champion. A former world champion that has wins over Brock Lesnar. It also has former tag team champions. Former tag team champions that had the tag team titles during Usos and New Day on the roster. So that has to say a lot for the Street Profits to be tag team champions. And now I just feel like with this addition of this new faction, somebody's going to have the job. Is it going to be the, the people that have the resume to back it up? Or the newbies? Well, technically, they're not new, right? Because AOP's been tag champions before, too. Killer Cross is uh, the questionable one. But everybody always knows that he's got something going on. And I feel like Ooh. with the Authors of Pain, it, it's got to be... They got to win, dude. But you could you could do this where the, where the Soup Profits and uh, Bobby Lashley actually look good, even though they lose this feud, right? Because they're still outnumbered, right? With uh, You still got Scarlet Brodero that could kind of throw in some some uh, wrenches in, in the plans there. Yeah, that is true. So what you're telling me is that you want to see competitive matches in order to make both teams look strong, right? Bro, I wouldn't be surprised if Bianca Belair joined the Ooh, Street Profits in this one. Oh, damn, you're cooking, bro. Paul Bro, Beck. I'm cooking. Add me to the to the WWE writing roster. Yes, bro, because apparently they don't got none over there. 
Maybe that's where they're building up because Bianca's been gone for a while. Um, no, remember she, she just, took some time off. She just fought last week against Bailey. But didn't she take off some time last week? Wait, she, did she fight against Bailey, bro? Am I tripping bro, right now? I think she did, bro. Oh. She's been coming in and out. Yeah, yeah. She fought Bailey last week. Yeah. Okay, I'm tripping. Well, what was last week then? What the hell was I doing last week? Was it was it New Year's? I was in New Year's Eve mode, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, either that or it was a week before. I don't remember. But yeah, she fought Bailey recently. Oh, okay. Well, moving on. We got to see the main event, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and Ellie Knight fighting to see who's going to take on Roman Reigns. Paul Heyman essentially just books the dethroning of Roman Reigns pretty much because now it's a fatal four-way match. Adrian, what do you got to say? Uh, as soon as I saw Bloodline come out, I immediately thought, oh, are we going to get a similar storyline to what Gunther versus Drew McIntyre and Sheamus had uh, at WrestleMania where they had a little tournament. Both people did a, uh, a double pin on their opponent. Then they had to book a rematch for the next, for the following week, one-on-one Drew and uh, Sheamus. And then obviously Imperium interfered. And then uh, Adam Pierce came out and said, nah, whatever. You guys want to interfere? Cool. I'll make it a three-way. Good thing is that we're not going to get a, another rematch next week. Oh, we're going to get a rematch and then whatever happens is going to be the the, right, the final decision. That's great. You're saving me a lot of time. But I am digging this storyline or this match that's going to be uh, coming up on Royal Rumble because the Tribal Chief is not going to lose. And it's not going to lose again. And most likely, he's going to stack up his opponents like he did with uh, Brian Danielson and Edge. But yeah, Tribal Chief is going to come out on top. And I know that's going to piss off a lot of people. And Paul Levesque does not give a fuck because that's a Tribal Chief. But yeah, man, Nick Aldis pretty much is uh, booking SmackDown very, very well. He's uh, sending messages to the champ, Roman Reigns, in this segment here. One question. Do you think Nick Aldis is going to lace up his boots one more time and be like, you know what, Roman Reigns, you've been painting my ass. I'm going to take on you one-on-one. I could see that happening. I don't know if it's before WrestleMania. Might be after. Shit, it might be at Elimination Chamber. I have no idea. But I I would see that. I mean, Nick Aldis is a big dude, dude. Speaking of that, I would like to see a Nick Aldis, Randy Orton. Randy Orton already RKO'd Nick Aldis. So you got a storyline right there. Bro, WWE needs to book Nick Aldis in a match because the WWE fans don't know what they're missing. Yeah, I, mean, I remember when when I was talking, we were talking about him possibly signing. I was like, I don't see him fitting into either SmackDown or Raw. And they found a spot for him in general manager position. But now they're kind of working him in possibly as a wrestler slowly. And I can yeah, see this opening. Yeah, planting the seeds. Planting the seeds. Yep. So speaking of people planting seeds, we got Sting and Darby Allen, right? Versus the workhorsemen, um, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake. This was pretty much a tune-up match. No really announcement. Tune-up for what? bro for tune up for what Sting- for Sting's retirement yeah. match against Darby yeah. Allen okay see this is where you have to let me finish bro cause this shit was garbage I said it last week and I'll keep saying it again Tony Khan needs to literally remind the fans hey Sting is retiring in less than two months support us support him put Sting's retirement match all over social media we know how well Tony Khan likes to tweet hey AEW Dynamite is gonna be at this town next week on Wednesday Sting's final run in this ring in this arena in this hometown go watch him he is no longer gonna be a performer you're this is the last time you're gonna see him as a wrestler and as a performer go watch Sting if Tony Khan has time to tweet about Jinder Mahal and Eric Bischoff he has time to put Sting's retirement party on Twitter and on social media but he's not doing that and in my opinion i think it's kind of like he's dropping the ball with that one i mean don't you think 
Yeah, they're dropping the ball. I mean, the attendance at Collision, I mean, granted, it's things going away tour. The attendance wasn't very well. It was not. I mean, they're, they're, this is for, for going away tour. You got to, not saying put them against heavy hitters every week, but the workhorsemen on Collision, like who's going to want to spend their money Sex. to be like, oh yeah, this is things going away tour. I'm going to see him wrestle the workhorsemen. <laughs> Not even that, at least announce it that, hey, Sting is going to have a match in this town. This is going to be his last match in this arena, in this town. Go buy my tickets. Attend the shows. Tune in to Dynamite on Wednesdays, Collision on Saturdays. I'm not seeing that from TK, bruv. And that triggers me. Yep, and then we're also getting the Adam Copeland open challenges on on Collision now. We got to see Griff Garrison back. Who the fuck is Griff Garrison, bruv? Bro, stop. He was with uh, yeah. now Lexus King, Brian Pillman Jr., yeah. and Julia Hart. Uh, it was glad to see him back on TV. Last time we saw him on TV, he took a, a jobber loss to Wardlow. <laughs> Yeah, so Adam Copeland goes about five minutes with them. Adam Copeland, which is the the name we're talking about, who doesn't know what a five-star match is, said that his match with Griff Garrison is going to do more for that man's career in five minutes than two years wrestling other people with his same experience. That's facts. That is facts. And in that segment that Adam Copeland did in Busted Open Radio, he sounded like a natural born locker room leader. Um, and it's not a jab towards punk. I, it just mm-hmm. it is a, no, 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 no. Let me tell you, bro. How can you be a leader to people that don't want to be led? Ooh, that's that's facts. That's what somebody said on social media too. That's just gonna go in one ear and out the other. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, like literally, Edge has, has been world champion. He's been at the top of WWE before. Sting is there. All these people are there. But yet, it seems like nobody's listening to these guys. And, and the people that are in charge of AEW are people that have, at the most, headlined. I mean, before AEW was a thing, the most impressive thing that they've ever done was selling out a 10,000-seat arena that had Cody Rhodes' name on it, essentially, because he's the one that wanted to do it. Yep, he's the one that answered the challenge. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. I'm, I'm not shitting on Kenny Omega, but uh, was he New Japan Pro Wrestling's top ever talent? No. Is he a great match wrestler? Yes. But even then, things he he's done in the wrestling business is nothing compared to Sting, nothing compared to Edge. It's to me, I'm just like, you guys got to listen to these people because for one, Kenny Omega's what 35 years old and it has just about as more injuries than 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 edge does at this point yeah that sounds about right but i think the some of the people that don't like to listen to these quote-unquote legends old heads are pretty much like the sammy Guevara's, his whole vlog crew i know dark order paid attention to um brody lee um the ass boys they listen to their dad and look how good they're doing man they're they're killing it for a while yes um and i know other people that jericho's in their ear i know some of them like uh like Action Andretti, Top Flight, those type of guys. And those type of guys are the ones looking for the five-star ratings. I mean, that Dante Martin match versus Orange Cassidy, I wouldn't say it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. But just because you can do crazy flips doesn't mean you got to do it every single match. And that's one of the issues I have with Equal del Vikingo. I'm like, you do all these crazy things so often that it's not special anymore and you lose. So how am I supposed to see you do the same crazy stuff and then win and me be happy for you? you when you're still doing them and losing them consistently in AEW TV. 
Yeah, but uh, the people who don't like those type of moves, um, what, what was their quote? No jumps, more fists. Yeah, no flips, just fists. Yep, the Revival, a.k.a. FTR. FTR and uh, House of Black have been brewing a, a feud on Collision TV. They're keeping it exclusive to Collision. I didn't watch it live. I had to watch it the next day because I was doing stuff, but damn. They are putting on a banger of a show, banger of matches. The feud is still brewing. It's going hot. They sort of got massacred in a way with Julia Hart doing the 10 bell count. And I know that pissed off a lot of people, on mainly on social media, mainly on Twitter X. They were like, oh, the 10 bell salute should only be done to people who pass away. This is a joke, blah, 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 blah. And at this point, I'm just like, bruh, people just like to complain about everything. You can't have anything without somebody complaining about something. Yeah, that's true. FTR just being on collision. They need to be on, on Dynamite, but I feel like that's just like a schedule-wise thing, right? Yeah. Even with Malachi Black, dude, that fool hasn't been on AW Dynamite in a hot minute. And neither has FTR. They're just like collision exclusives at this point. Is that like leftover from CM Punk, you think? That or no, I think Malachi Black decided to go to a... Uh collision or it, it works better with the schedule um with Zelina vega oh you're right because she's on smackdown, smackdown yep. so she's gone friday he's gone saturday they meet back up monday yep. or tuesday whatever it is yep and, and uh, ftr i know dax hartwood it's a better schedule for him and his daughter and his family um miro i don't know man miro i think is just a collision exclusive but i would like to see him in dynamite man. miro's a stay at home exclusive <laughs> except for fucking like once a month bro <laughs> he gets paid to stay at home just like andrade does so we'll see what happens there yeah but one person that did not get paid to stay at home this week was cn punk when he answered the call to drew mcintyre because drew mcintyre was talking a lot of shit and he was like if i were to leave and come back nine years later i'll get a huge reception and then cm punk comes and interrupts his ass obviously we know drew mcintyre lost a world title match the week before against seth rollins but also blamed it on damian priest for not waiting till the match was over before cashing in so it just looks like drew is just pissed off at the world like i said before in this pod i think he's doing like a cm punk type of character right now um i wasn't digging it at first but this promo this promo i'm tuning in next week best believe i am they're setting it up for royal rumble so they're trying to there's so many people that can win the royal rumble this year it's crazy because last couple years have been very predictable cody yep. rhodes uh, but now it's like is it cody rhodes is it the rock he's gonna show up is it cm punk is it drew mcintyre is it anybody there's so many names in here it's kind of like crazy as to who can actually win yeah it was it was really funny during that uh, cm punk promo um when he was talking to drew he was like nobody can stop me from winning the rumble not you not seth not cody and i'm like yes they can bro they can stop you they can throw you over the top rope and they can stop you uh you know because the royal rumble is everybody against everybody and if you have three of your enemies in front of you most likely they're gonna team up against you just like they do on night jacks every year like yes. the whole the whole the whole roster just picks her up with mark henry the big show girl Kali. actually no the great Kali got eliminated by the glamazon and it was a solo job too yeah but she also had her tongue down his throat Ooh. remember that <laughs> 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 it's facts bro that's facts. true that's true see I, I mean i'm looking forward to this feud but if it they do stretch this feud to a one-on-one match after royal rumble i mean drew's gonna have to take the l don't you think yeah he's gonna have to take the l but you know drew's he's on his heel turn if he loses some more it could turn him more to the dark side it kind of works that he's losing honestly it's, i mean it's not as bad as like when baron corbin was losing he's just losing there's there's like a story of his downfall kind of going through 
Yeah. Because you just get more and more pissed off at the world. Yeah, and Drew McIntyre is going... If he's losing, he's he's losing with the fight. He's not, you know, he's not a jobber. He's not going to be a pushover. He's having good matches. I, I liked last week's match between him and Seth Rollins. It was a great match. But you know what match really did surprise me a lot? And it's Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa, man. I've always said it. Finn Balor is a great wrestler, great fighter whenever he wants to. But Ciampa, I've never... I never saw him in the black and gold brand in NXT, but this one, he showed some fucking skill. I I like this match. It's a good match. And this is the thing with WWE is like these two together work really well. But then Finn Balor with heavier guys works well because he's quick. He can have those matches. Yep. Tommaso Ciampa with bigger guys. It's I don't know if he can really do it. I got to see how that how that would work. I just can't see Tommaso Ciampa beating Drew McIntyre. Yeah, no, like, I know I may catch some heat in the comments section, like I always do when I talk about WWE. But Tommaso Ciampa versus Gunther, that was the only Gunther match that I did not like. I don't know if it was just the character Tommaso Ciampa, he didn't impress me. I, I did not like that match, and usually Gunther puts on good matches, and for some reason, just that one did not stand out to me. It's because his heavy hitting, bro, Is if, if he hits somebody that hard, Tommaso Ciampa size, like, they're gonna be down, bro. That's honestly, I think, what it comes down to. Like, the Miz is smaller, too, but the Miz is still big enough to make it believable. Tommaso Ciampa, I mean, he's, he's about my size it's just the gunther it the heavy hitting it just doesn't make sense very much on the same thing that like eddie kingston and john moxie over here slapping each other doesn't really make sense either yeah so would you say that tommaso champa is not a great seller as well it's not that he's a great seller i mean he's a good seller he can sell enough it's just when you as a wrestling watcher right the only reason that ray mysterio was believably bidding the big shows because he was faster he was more quick agile can you say the same with about Tommaso Ciampa? He's he's not really the fastest guy. Like Finn Balor's fast. He's agile. He can do those things. But Tommaso Ciampa, not so much. Kind of like Roderick Strong, right? Roderick yep, Strong yep. can do can pick up and throw. Who did he throw up in the air like that? Gravity? Uh, no, it was uh, Commander, I believe. Commander. Okay, so he threw up Commander. It looks really great, but can he do that against somebody else? No, he no. can't. So it's like so it's like why? I don't know if you remember that uh, tournament match. It was. Uh, uh, Roderick Strong and Samoa Joe. Bro, the size difference. Bro, it looked like your boy taking one for the team, bro. If you know, you know, bro. It looked like a guy, your friend, your boy taking one for the team. If you know, you know. I'll leave it at that. I'm dead. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Man. Oh, moving on. So we were talking about R-Truth and the Judgment Day earlier. Judgment Day, they had, a, you know, they, they did the run-in on for Finn Balor, right? That didn't work too well. Then they did the run-in to try to cash in, right, on the Drew McIntyre-Seth Rollins match. But this R-Truth video with the mm. Judgment Day... He said, ever since I was a little kid, I've always wanted to be Judgment Day. (laughs) (laughs) And then he like photoshopped himself into all these like iconic Judgment Day photos. (laughs) Of, like, them in London doing the little walk that the Beatles do. And then so he, he photoshops himself there. Or then he, he takes a picture of Judgment Day hanging out. And then he, he finds himself, like, randomly in the background of the picture. Like, not even in the picture. <laughs> Man. See the, when he uh, photoshopped all those babies in there, too. Yeah. And then I was like, who the fuck has green hair? There was a, there was a baby with a beard, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a baby with a beard. 
<laughs> so, I mean, our truth the comedy gold with Judgment Day. Didn't I predict this last year on the last episode of 2023? I told you, bro. Judgment Day was finally going to give us what they've been trying to give us. Comedy. That's what they are. They're goofballs. They don't run nothing. They should go to the comedy store, the Laugh Factory, and do some stand-up over there. Because that's all That's all they could do. They're jobbers, bro. With the push. It's good comedy, though. It's that is good true. Comedy. And then, you know, then we had The Miz versus uh, J.D. Madonna. J.D. Madonna loses. The Miz wins. I mean, I'm just a fan of the Miz. I'm the fa- I'm a fan of Judgment Day. I really like this era of Monday Night Raw. We'll see what where it's heading. A little bit's comedic serious then you got yep. the women's matches you got to see katana chance Caden carter defending against piper niven and uh chelsea green chelsea green they, they were good matches all yeah, around they were they were but they were good matches but could you still continuing on that uh, dark order from wish or judgment day topic do you see another six months feud between judgment day and miss truth Tommaso Ciampa and Joey Borgano in the coming months? Like, just never-ending matches? No. No, eventually it's going to end. I mean, that's why they put R-Truth in there to make at least some light at at the end. Because uh, Judgment Day is going to be probably gone here after WrestleMania. I still feel like R-Truth is going to be involved with J.D. Dunn and Dominic Mysterio for a little bit. Ray Ripley will probably be off doing her own thing. Uh, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. We'll see what happens with them. I do feel like eventually they're going to break up because it doesn't make sense for them to be kind of going into it after WrestleMania. But that's kind of... We got to see more where this comes out. Because Royal Rumble is going to show a lot as to what happens here in Souls WrestleMania. Uh, we'll see where this goes after WrestleMania. But I mean, uh, see, I'm looking forward to see where that where this goes on Monday for Raw and WWE. I can't say the same for AEW when they post out these cards that are supposed to be what we're going to be watching days in advance. And then we get the show that we got. All right. So now we get into AEW Dynamite. Adrian, I'm going to let you take this one. Yeah, man. Um, it all started great. Um, started with an Hangman Adam Page match. But let me talk about... The eight-woman and eight-man tag team match. Um, apparently, those were uh, tribute to Brody Lee matches. Preston Vance in the men's side and Anna Jay in the women's side. They both got the Ws for the respective teams. Uh, former members of Dark Order. Um, Preston Vance was handpicked by Brody Lee himself. So was Anna Jay. Um, so it was great to see them get in their flowers again on the homecoming episode of AEW Dynamite. It was at Daly's place. And yeah, man, both people look strong. Uh, Anna Jay and Preston Vance. The assistant was there with Preston Vance as well. Well, um, so yeah, you know, uh, he's doing his thing over there with um, La Facción Ingobernable, Rush, like we said earlier on the pod, that he is out due to injury, but Tralistico is still there as well, so let's see if they could do a, like a tag team, Ring of Honor or something like that. But yeah, let's go over to the Claudio Hangman match. Hangman's apparently doing his little cowboy pissed off the world thing right now. He still wants a piece of Swerve Strickland. Mind you, he lost twice already, but the man broke into his house. You can't just break into somebody's house and then threaten somebody's kid. You know, I'm a hangman Adam Page. He, that, that, he got his ass whooped, bro, by he Swerve, did. so... He should just end that story. Bro, but just imagine his manhood, bro. I tried to protect my wife and my kid and I got my ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, so he wants to keep trying to kick the dude's ass that fucking pretty much kicked his ass. But he's going to get his ass kicked again. He's going to get his ass kicked again, bro. Yeah. And then that leads over to the Samoa Joe segment. Where Samoa wait, Joe wait, wait. Com- Before we get to Samoa Joe, I want to talk about Cesaro a little bit here. Claudio Castanoli, who is probably in a worse position in AEW than he was in WWE, wouldn't you say? I mean, he gets to wrestle on AEW every, what, three weeks, four weeks, something like that? I feel like yeah, he no, got more TV time in SmackDown. Yeah, no, he's uh, he wrestles 
in Rampage and Collision. That's actually where the match got made on Collision. When Hangman was looking to beat somebody up on Wednesday. Then you go over to Collision and that's where um, Clyde Castellano was like, Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? All right, cool. I'm right here. I want to fight. And then that's where they had the match at Dynamite. But yeah, uh, Clyde Castellano is, you could say that he's having the same run as he did in WWE. But he was Ring of Honor World Champion, my guy. Should he have won the NXT World Heavyweight Championship then? Uh, Ring of Honor is not would developmental. Would that make you happy, bro? Bro, stop. stop Collision what? is developmental, according to some people. To who? Not just, you know, Mark's on the internet, bro. Uh, bro, I'd rather listen to Meltzer, bro. <laughs> Damn. And, but for real, dude, honestly, at this point, I mean, Ring of Honor, I'm going to call it AEW developmental. Well, technically, um, Ring of Honor was WWE's developmental, right? That's where they got all their stars. Tyler Black, Kevin They had the Steen, good stars. Yeah, back in the day, CM Punk. The Young Bucks, Brian Danielson. I mean, apparently Claudio Castanoli never never grew up from Ring of Honor because he was the Ring of Honor champion, right? Yep. This guy. Anyways, move, moving on to, to the Samoa Joe thing that you were talking about. Oh, yeah. Samoa Joe pretty much laid down the smackdown on everybody and was like, you know what? These open challenges are no more. Similar to Brody Lee, what he did back when he won the TNT championship for the first time. Open challenges are no more. If you want a chance at the world title and at Samoa Joe, bring your resume and bring your record. Resume meaning how many wins do you have? How many titles have you held? All of the above. And present them to the AEW World Champion Committee, which I think that, I think Samoa Joe's the only member of that committee because Swerve Strickland came out. We know that Daniel Bryan is the, the guy in charge of the social media committee. Yeah. The discipline committee. <laughs> But yeah, Swerve Strickland came out, delivered his resume, and he says he wants a shot at the title. Hangman Adam Page came out and said he also wants a shot at the title. He had an amazing uh, death match with Moxley. He uh, reunited with the Elite and won Anarchy in the Arena match. But then Hook comes out. And he told him basically next week, Dynamite, me and you, one-on-one. And the match is set. So we're going to get Gender Mahal versus Seth Rollins on Monday. And then on Wednesday, we're going to get Samoa Joe versus Hook. What match are you most excited looking forward to see, Brian? I mean, first of all, I feel like Tony Khan booked this match just because Jinder Mahal got a match booked because apparently he got really offended uh, by that on Twitter like we talked about. But I mean, sure, sure, he's got a decent win-loss record. But I mean, look, this is the names of people he's beat. He's beat Wheeler Yuta, right? Then he beat, uh, he was in a, in a uh, eight-man tag beating Alex Reynolds, Angel Parko, Evil Uno, and Matt Menard, jobbers. Beat Rocky Romero, jobber. Then he was in a in a six-person tag against Angela Parker, Jake Hager, Matt Menard, jobbers. Then he lost to John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta in a tag match. Him and RVD beat Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Uh, let me see. He, he won with RVD against Angela Parker, Matt Menard. Then he won a, a mixed six-person tag match against Angela Parker, Matt Menard, and Anna Jay. He beat Jack Perry. He also lost to Jack Perry. Uh, let me see here. He beat Drillistico and Preston Vance in a tag match. Bro, let me go back to Let me just go back to his singles matches. He beat Serpentico. He beat Ethan Page twice. E- Ethan Page four times. He beat Stokely Hathaway. He beat Ethan Page five times. Peter Avalon. Matt Hardy, Wait, Balaam so- Lynx, Exodus Prime, Lee Moriarty, Ari Devar. Bro, who are these people, bro? bro so what you're you cannot is- tell me that these are the cream of the crop, bro. These are nobodies. His first win was Fuego del Sol. So what you're saying is you're triggered when jobbers or when people who have pretty much 
beat nobodies, get world title shots, but no trigger energy when someone who hasn't won a match in, in the year of 2023 is getting a world title match? Mm. No, I mean, like like they said, if the story calls for it, like this is what Jonathan Coachman said, if the story calls for it, he could have been world champion because it makes sense. But in this situation, I get that he's getting his title shot, but the thing that the, uh, the, the so-called win-loss record that Tony Khan is talking about is an empty win and loss record, bro. It's like somebody in boxing that goes 28 and oh against i don't know drunk guys in a bar is he gonna get a world heavyweight title shot no he's not you gotta work your way up bro so, beating fuego del sol beating jd drake anthony henry blake Ooh, Lee, who did, who did jinder mahal beat in 2023 i don't know honestly don't know you want to look it up thank you i'll look it up right now for you bro go for it but yeah moving oh. on since brian's looking at that um we're talking about somebody right here who may be on his way out at AEW. is ricky starks this is the second time Ricky Stark has gotten the pin. And in this match with Sammy Guevara, he was working stiff. Um, at the end of the match, it was a, it was like an awkward ass ending too. It was like a clothesline or a kick, a kick to the face. And Ricky Stark just seemed dazed, but it just was, it was weird. It wasn't a finisher. Um, after that, Sammy Guevara and Ricky Stark shook hands, similar to like what Jay Cargo did with Chris Statlander when they, when it was, uh, Jay Cargo's last match in AEW. Then Jericho came out for the save with all of his, uh, legal issues that he's going through right now, whether they're true or not. Uh, in my opinion, I think Jericho should stay off TV, but that's just me. I know. You yourself clowned about this that the AEW producers left Judas playing on the background just so just so they couldn't pick up the uh, NDA chance or the boos. Yeah. yeah, they're trying to avoid him getting booed on national television. They're they're not even referring to the team as less sex gods anymore. <clears throat> I wonder why, right? Like, mm, yeah, like they're just like if you, they they announced for Battle of Belts that it was going to be uh you know they're they're cashing in their tag title shot, but they're it just says Chris Jericho and. Sammy Guevara where wherever you looked before it was less sex gods you know yeah 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 they're trying to get away from all that yeah and I'm not really gonna get into that but um oh but I just want to say uh <clears throat> well before we go in any further uh Jinder Mahal apparently he was injured but his last win was January 10th 2023 against Julius Creed at NXT New Year's Evil who what don't say who bro he was on NXT I don't know who that is to be honest Julius Creed, he's one of the the tag team, the Creed brothers. Oh, but which one? The bigger one or the smaller one? I don't know which one's which, bro. (laughs) (laughs) But then he also lost against Braun Breaker, um, Jinder Mahal and Sangha, lost to Brutus Creed and Julius Creed, um, and then uh, NXT Roadblock. Looks like they had a feud down there. Uh, His last televised match was a superstar spectacle where, you know, he lost to Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. And, you know, I got no problem with it, dude. He is, he's good on the mic. He looks impressive. He's honestly probably been injured for quite a while. That's probably why he wasn't used. Yeah. But you know what, Matt? That's not been getting used in this shit. Where the fuck have they been, bruv? Maybe they're injured, bro. Right. No, but uh, the Ricky Starks thing, um, shaking Sammy Guevara's hand at the end of the match, do you think he's on his way out? I mean, this is the second time he's getting pinned. I mean, I don't know where he's going to go, TNA. I don't, I don't see him going to WWE. I mean, they just they got Braun Breaker. I mean, they have big guys, you know what I mean? Like, yep. like what he's going to be, JD Madonna? Like, they're like the same size. True, true, true. And, and charisma gets you far, but I I mean, to me, I just, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of his character. I mean, he's got more charisma than Wheeler Yuta for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, I don't know. I'm just 
I, I don't see what the big hoopla is about him. Um, I'm not a uh, Ricky Starks guy, and that's that's just not my style. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you said that. Uh, you call him a rock knockoff. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember you telling me that. That's not your cup of tea. Rock knockoff. I mean, I wouldn't even give him that much because he does do certain things that are different. But who's who called him a rock knockoff on TV? Uh, and I was like, oh Adam yeah, Copeland. yeah, it was Adam Copeland. Yep, yep, yep. He's like, there's a Dwayne over there that does it better. <laughs> or some shit like that, you know, but I don't know, man. Uh, it's very, it's like I'm trying to compare somebody to Michael Jordan. It's just never going to be. Facts, facts, facts. Um, but moving on to the main event, um, Darby Allen Sting versus Kanosuke Takeshka and Will Hobbs. It was a great match. Um, obviously, Sting is, what, 64 years old. He can't do singles matches. He has somebody like Darby Allen to take most of the bumps. I know there was a, a bump on social media that blew up. Um, it was when they tossed Darby Allen to the other side of the ring. And I guess his head kind of hit the um, the bottom rope. His neck snapped on the on the rope. Yeah, yeah. W- what I do want to say about that spot, though, it's a great spot. It just was unfortunate that his that his neck caught the rope. They overshot it. They overshot it. Yeah, I mean, but it's easy to do. I mean, how the guy's like one eighty. You got two big dudes just tossing him like a little rag doll, like a little kid. It was a good spot. It's so unbelievable to me that Darby Allen won. <laughs> And it, to me, it's like, y'all just did so much to make Konosuke Takeshita the alpha powerhouse Hobbs, and you get taken out by a 64-year-old and a guy you just ragdolled. Yeah. Did you see Sting? He did that, um, that fucking uh, scorpion death drop from the little stage area to a table. God damn, bro. You know, he's actually putting on better matches than the Hardys are at this point, and he's a lot older. Yeah, he is, man. And I know a lot of people on social media like to complain about the Booker, and they like to blame people when, when somebody gets injured. But who's going to tell Sting, don't do that spot, don't do that spot? I mean, I know Tony Khan doesn't have the balls to tell Sting no. You know, I know CM Punk is not going to tell Sting no. Hey, hey, Sting, you're 64 years old. You should not be doing this, man. You should retire. Who's going to tell Sting no? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think nobody's going to be telling him no. But, you know, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, he has. He doesn't get injured. But it's crazy that, like, he did that. He does those spots and doesn't get injured. But the buckle bomb is what did him in. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's from that unsafe worker, huh? What's his name? Yeah, that. Uh, what is what Bret, Hall, Bret Hart calls him an extremely unsafe worker, a.k.a. Seth, Seth Rollins. Are you serious? Yeah. Bro, this guy has beef with everybody that accidentally <laughs> injures people, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did the same said the same thing about Ridge Holland. I know mean, he said it a couple times about diff- different people. Definitely Bill Goldberg, most of all. Yep, yep. Before we get into too far into this, I mean the match was good. I guess I, the wrong team won, in my opinion. To me, I'm like, okay, this is Sting's last run. Who's he gonna face at Revolution? Is it gonna be Darby Allen, right? The guy who he brought him up, and this is like the passing of the torch. Is it gonna be Takonosuke Takeshita? That would be a good one too. Power. House Hobbs, you know, maybe like a final final singles match. I don't know. Seeing people on, on online said even Ric Flair coming back from retirement. Yeah, bro. He's he's been posting uh, workout videos on Twitter and Instagram and people are just like, no, bro. He's lifting weights. No. But who comes out, Adrian? Who comes out to surprise everybody? The former. Wait, are they former? I don't know. The Young Bucks come out looking like... Uh, looking what, like Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Yeah, Spy versus Spy. The black and white Spy versus Spy with silly ass mustaches. Yeah, Vincent Kennedy McMahon's mustaches, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The evil villain ones. Yeah, and to be honest, I know I may sound like a mark, but in my opinion, this, this is a good booking. This is great. Um, Sting 
has been a fan of the Young Bucks. Sting has been a fan of AEW. The Young Bucks can put on a great match whenever they want to. Um, the Young Bucks know they're going to get hated. They know they are. So in my opinion, I think they should get as much heat as they can. They don't even have to do anything. I'm most likely they're going to get heat out of nowhere. Um, and in my opinion, booking them against Sting in this final match is great booking. Because if you think about it, whenever Sting delivers a punch, a kick, a chop, a taunt, the crowd is going to go crazy. The crowd is going to go ballistic. And they're going to go crazy because the Young Bucks are getting their asses kicked by Sting. That's what the people want to see. They want to see the Young Bucks get their ass kicked. And by Sting doing that at his final match in the main event of Revolution, Tony Khan is making cinema, my guy. I think that's what's going to happen. The Young Bucks are going to put Sting over. They're going to shake hands at the end. This is awesome. Tears are going to be shed. Sting is going to retire. And the Young Bucks are going to become fan favorites, bro. Trust me. Fan favorites? They're not going to be fan favorites anymore. That ship is long gone. They're permanent heels in the wrestling community. There's no possible way that they can get the crowd back, I think. Mostly just because of the fact that they are the ones kind of running AEW's viewership into the ground, bro. Yeah. According to what other people say online, I'm not going to say that. For me, they they work the character well uh, to what people hate about them, you know, so they just kind of play into it. I just, this is not the match I expected. Just like similar, like Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. That's not who I expected. And to me, I mean, I would like Sting to lose his last match. He's been undefeated in AEW up until this point. He he needs to lose. I mean, he's got to pass the torch to somebody. Should have been Darby Allen, but now I mean, if he wins, what did, what did Darby Allen get out of this after carrying this guy around for what three years? Knowledge, first of all. Um, you can't give that guy knowledge. What knowledge, bro? Sting was what six three, completely different wrestling style. This guy's reckless. He's a buck seventy. Uh, he takes bumps like crazy. To me, I mean, uh, maybe character work, but even then, what what character work did Sting really do besides true pointing the bat? Pointing the bat, being silent for like the longest time, and he did do Joker Sting, but I wasn't a fan of that in TNA. Maybe just basic backroom knowledge. I don't know, but that, even then, that's kind of like completely different than what's going on WWE versus AEW you know yeah yeah, I don't know, man. I I still think it's gonna it's a good match. Um, Sting going over in his final match is gonna be is gonna be great. I don't know. I just think I just think legends in their retiring match they should go over when when they need to go over. In my opinion, the other thing I don't like about this match is what Dave Meltzer said. He said via Twitter that the Young Bucks are great at carrying matches, and then he pointed out to the match he they had with Private Party. And in my head, I'm like, when the f did they fight Private Party? And then he said also that great match with Top Flight, and I'm like, when did they they fight top flight bro i cannot remember those matches to save my life i mean i remember the the seven matches that they had with uh the death triangle uh the ftr stuff but if you're gonna tell me that they're good at carrying matches but i can't name one of the matches that they carried like that's wild to me and it's even disrespectful to to sting at that point for him to be like oh yeah they're gonna carry his ass yeah, that private party match was like the first few months of AEW when they had the AEW Tag Team Champions the tournament? tournament. Yeah, they lost oh, in the first round. Yeah, they yeah they did lose, but yeah. that match wasn't good. Now that you mentioned that, that match was not good. Private party looked way too young to begin with, and then winning they they looked they looked green. Yeah, private party went over in that match. Um, Tough Fly was their first televised match ever when they went up against the Young Bucks. Um, so in a way you could say they carried, but. I don't know what, uh, maybe different meanings of carrying. I don't think 
that Young Bucks are going to carry Sting. I, I think they're going to take as many bumps as they can to make Sting look strong. Outshine him, outperform him. Uh, probably not, but I, I think they're going to take as much bumps as they can to put Sting over. And it's going to be the right move if they do that. That and Tony Khan has been apparently taking quite a few bumps, bro. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you guys, I mean, I mean, let us know what you guys think about that Sting and the Young Bucks match coming up for the retirement, Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, let us know in our social media. We are Triggered Wrestling. Follow us anywhere at Triggered Wrestling, except for Twitter, except for X. We are T-R-I-G-G underscore wrestling. That's Trig underscore wrestling. Uh, Adrian, any final statements you got here? Oh, man. Saturday is going to be an amazing day for wrestling. We have TNA Impact during their show, Hard to Kill. We have New Japan Battle in the Valley on Saturday. We have Collision on Saturday. We also have Battle of the Belts. Bro, Saturday is going to be a great day for fucking wrestling. And you know what? When it comes to great wrestling, there's going to be some fans out there that are going to get triggered. And what do we do? Stay triggered. That's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Stay triggered. Bam, bam.